Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Welcome back to the show on this Wednesday, December 14th. The final semifinal was played, and we know the finals now. Coming up on Sunday, it is the marquee matchup. Let's be realistic. All the storylines were good, as we talked about, really through the quarterfinals. But this is the marquee matchup. France dispatches with Morocco 2-0. It sounds like if you didn't watch the match, which, of course, all of you did, I'm sure, it sounds like, oh, of course, France, just 2-0. It was a battle, and Morocco fully proved to me that they deserved to be there because I, I predicted France 2-0. If you listened to the show yesterday, and if you missed it, go back. You can uh, you can verify my work here and the podcast on ESPN LA and the app. Yeah, Mario Ruiz, my uh, producer, give me a little smile there. I did. I said 2-0, but it got there in a different way than I thought it would. I thought France would have the lion's share of the match and really just convert on a couple of great chances. Now, they got going early, and it changed a lot. The fifth-minute goal from Teo Hernandez on a breakthrough, and kind of a breakdown by Morocco, which they hadn't done this whole tournament, as we know, defensively. But uh, Elio Meek dove for a ball, I think it was him, and, and missed it, bottom line, missed a pass, and it got through, and by the end of the play, it was a goal. And it was a great finish by Teo Hernandez, by the way, on the back post with the left foot up in the air, almost like the foot was above his head, not quite. It was a great finish, though. Had to be a great finish to get the goal, but they did. And then they kind of didn't really control the match like I thought they would. When that goal went in, I thought, "Uh uh-oh. That was the first thing I said out loud to myself. I'm watching the game by myself, like I always do. And yet I said, "Uh uh-oh. This And in my head, I'm thinking this could be 5-0 by the time this is over, right? Morocco felt a little deflated. The crowd was going nuts before that match in the first few minutes. And then all of a sudden, they get hit and just sucker punched right in the nose. How are they going to respond? I thought, "Uh uh-oh, France is just going to smell blood now. Didn't happen. Morocco got their foot on the ball right after that goal and really kept going after France. Now, France had their chances too, but this was not a one-sided match like the scoreline might indicate. In a weird way, that goal kind of allowed France to get on the back foot a little bit too much, in a sense. I think they kind of gave up the ball a little bit too much to Morocco. But I also think Didier Deschamps knew that Morocco's not as dangerous as maybe some other teams will be. They probably won't be able to hurt us even with with more of the ball because realistically, Morocco had been playing with very little of the football in this tournament often. And in, in a way, that first goal so early kind of allowed Deshaun to say, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to hurt us. It was close, and Hugo Lloris had a couple of wickedly good saves. Otherwise, we might have been talking about a whole different match, right? And yet, Bono, who's had a great tournament, couldn't make the saves on the shots. Now, the second goal, that put it away late by the sub, Orlando Kulo Mounty. I'm sorry, Colo. Uh, I'm sorry. I always, I always put the Eintracht Frankfurt guy. What Muani? Why do I always say that wrong? Randall Colo Muani, the sub, who's had a good year at Eintracht. He's a good player. Comes in, but he really just tapped it home. But what happened was another Moroccan defensive breakdown. Not so much on the play with Kylian Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe is going to beat defenders, which he did, and more than a few times. And he really did beat his defender to get open. The shot though was, I mean, the defense recovered. Right, Help defense came over to block the shot pretty easily, but it fell right to, right to Kola Moana in the back post because, and it's hard to say, 
but it's because Atiyad Allah fell asleep. Just if you watch the replay of that, he was flat footed watching that Mbappe shot, not thinking that a ball would be blocked right to the back, you know, back post, right? And yeah, my producer puts up some stats I'll get to in a moment, but it, it really shows you if Atiyat Allah doesn't just fall asleep and just flat footed and allow that second goal to Kolo Moane, I mean, who knows? Because Morocco was on the front foot, then the rest of the game had a couple good chances, even in stoppage time. I mean, it's still 1 0. 1 0, you never know. But that was the ball game. Two Moroccan chances or mistakes defensively, which they had not done. And France will make you pay, right? And that's why they're going to the second straight World Cup final, and that's why they're the defending champs going to a second. They'll make you pay. Because, look, as Mario points out, possession, 62%. You'd probably think, well, that's France. They got an early goal, and then they just kind of passed the ball around. That's Morocco with 62% of the ball. Morocco outpassed France by over 200 passes because France, once I, like I said, that first goal changed the game a lot because Didier Deschamps knew they're probably not going to be dangerous enough, and we got Hugo Lloris back there to make a couple of big saves if they need to, and that's what exactly would happen. So I predicted 2-0, but I didn't think it was going to happen this way. So I still wasn't completely right. But I did know, as I said, France can finish and be dangerous, and Morocco will have a tougher time of that, and they did again. Morocco did have a tough time of that. And that's why France is moving on. They deserve it. But to say like they bury anybody who thinks that France just was dominant, no, no, of course not, not at all. But they don't, they don't care. France may go out and win the World Cup playing the same way against Argentina. Let Argentina have the ball. It's a dangerous, you know, game to play when you're got you're playing Lionel Messi. But they may go do the same thing because they're just so confident. It's borderline cocky football, but they deserve it and they've earned it. Right, I don't even, and I don't say I don't want to go as far as to say they're playing cocky football or you know pompous football, but it's borderline, and yet they know how good they are, and that's not a that's not a critique. You have to know how good you are if you're good, and they do, and they play that way, and it works because they are so good and so talented. So kudos to France, fully deserve it. You know, I'd get us. I'd give up for my chair if I wasn't an old man. But gotta give us a stand, a stand to go to Morocco for their tournament, because again, they proved time and time again, and into today, they could have just wilted after that five minute goal and chased that ball around like shadows and been destroyed by France, and it wasn't the case. Now they didn't have enough, and they don't deserve to move on to the final. It's not like they got robbed or anything like that. They didn't get. You know, screwed out of a final. No, they got beat. But man, what a tournament. And they fully deserved it. I tweeted in midway through. I said, I don't care what happens the rest of the match. During the match, this team has proven how good they are. Morocco's one of the best teams in the world. I mean, you just can't take that away from them. And they had a great tournament. And I'll I'll talk a little bit more about it in the show. I'm kind of curious about this third-place match. I've always kind of poo-pooed the third-place matches. But it is important who finishes third versus fourth. It would be nice. And to finish on a win, give your, you know, because let's face it, most tournaments, most competitions, whether it's professional or even you go kicking a ball around with your Sunday league team or whatever, they end on a bad note in sports. We know this, right? Any sport, 
no matter how good your season is, it ends with you losing in the playoffs most of the time. <laughs> you know, 90 plus percent of the teams that are in playoffs get beat. So this is a way to actually end your World Cup on a higher note, even though you didn't win it. That's kind of nice if you really think about it. Now, again, it stinks right now and it stings right now because you're not in the World Cup final. I get that. But I'm kind of curious about how that Croatia-Morocco match. The cool thing is you bring in everybody off the bench. You know, not to say they all start. You're not going to start your backups. You're going to give your, you know, you're going to give your best team a chance to play. You're going to let Luka Modric go out there for a curtain call, but you're not going to leave him out there for 90 minutes either, right? You're going to let everybody play if you can't. Or, well, not everyone, of course, but you're going to get people in who haven't seen time. It's going to be fun. Yeah, first clean sheet for the entire tournament for France. So the final sets up to be, I mean, we'll be breaking it down and working it up and doing everything over the next couple of days, so I'm not going to really get started yet on that. I'll talk a little bit more about it, but the final could be legendary. It really could. The storylines are all there, of course. It's the story. I, I mean, maybe the only one that was better was Ronaldo versus. If Cristiano Ronaldo would have also had an amazing tournament, Right, that might have been the only storyline because I mean you got France who's going for a repeat of a World Cup title. That's ridiculous, and a guy like Kylian Mbappe could win his second World Cup already. Is an absurd storyline, but you know, in a great way. So we'll see how it shakes down. Also, uh, coming up later, I uh, spent a little time on the Twitch stream with uh, LAFC. They were doing a live watch along. With some YouTube, I guess some streamers. And we'll talk a little bit more about one of them who asked me a really good question. Lots of bunnies. Popular streamer. She asked me a good question. We'll talk more about that coming up later on in this episode. Road to the Cup, as always. Powered by our good friends at Estrella Jalisco. And if you miss anything, you can go back and check out our podcast each and every day. You know the show's on Monday through Friday. We'll also have a special show on Sunday of the day of the final And you can check out the podcast wherever you pod or go to the ESPN LA app. It's super easy there. Coming up, Vince LaRosa of 110 Football. He joins me next right here. Road to the Cup, Dave Denholm and you on ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA continues here on this Wednesday, December 14th. And joining me now, a friend of the show and a friend of mine from 110 Football. Check out his work there. They do great stuff. Vince LaRosa joining us again on the show. Vince, thanks for taking the time. Let's dive right in. France 2, Morocco nil. But what I thought and what I said was, Vince, it kind of happened. The scoreline was exactly what I predicted, but it kind of happened in ways that I didn't really see. Does that make sense in this match? Yeah, I think so. Look, I think the thing that happened in this match was when France scores in the fifth minute, we got to see we got to see play out in front of our eyes the question I think we all were asking about Morocco throughout this entire tournament. How do they play when they are not level or when they're behind, mostly when they're behind, right? Because the style that they play is not set up to go chase a goal. And I got to say, play, I'm I, I'm happy to be wrong. I thought that this was a very good Morocco team. I'm not going to say that they've been uber lucky. I mean, obviously it takes some luck to get to this space, but a lot of times you would look at the team like this and say, look, there's no way they can go toe-to-toe with France. And they went toe-to-toe with France. Like that game was incredible from end to end. Um, and I thought Morocco actually had a lot of, answers for things that france was doing that france was they were bewildered and i think they actually should feel like to your point they should feel kind of lucky that it was two nil at the end i don't that that scoreline is not indicative of the uh run of play especially in the second half 
No, two uh, Moroccan breakdowns, which they hadn't done virtually all tournament. They had virtually zero defensive breakdowns until this match. But France made them pay, and France deserved to win. But I got to say, I know he had a little bit of a uh, stubbed his toe right at the end of this match, but Antoine Griezmann was just incredible. And more so defensively, Vince, getting back, he was all over the place in this match. Yeah, can we? We're, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it. Can we make a, an MLS comparison? He reminds me a little bit of Nico Ladero, at least, at least the role that he's playing. He's this free 10, mm. uh, but man, he's all action. He's going to give you everything. He's not just going to float between the lines and wait for the ball. If he loses the ball, he's going to run 50 yards to get it back. And that's, to your point, defensively put in a lot of work. It, it was a lot of fun to watch him play. It, it looked like a guy that was just free out there. He he's, has the ability to go um, and pick up spots all along the offensive uh, third of the field, go from left to right, do whatever he wants. But then also has the wherewithal and understands, look, i got to put in an extra bit of a shift because Giroud's not going to do it. Uh, Mbappe is not going to do it. So I think uh, it's, it is selfless by Antoine Griezmann. Uh, definitely something we haven't seen much from before, but it's been a lot of fun to watch him play kind of this roving 10 that also chips in defensively. That's good stuff. We're talking with Vince LaRosa from uh, 110 Football. He nails it there. Vince, here's the thing about France. I'm starting to figure them out. France, uh, everybody kind of thinks, well, they didn't play their best match. They didn't do this. They didn't really look that good against England or Morocco. They're just like playing possum. I mean, they're just so good. And to me, that's just a true sign of professionals out there that they know they can win. And it might not look like they're in control, but they were never out of control in these matches, if that makes sense. Yeah, and they're just, they're supremely talented, Dave. I mean, if I told you, that France going into this tournament was going to miss at certain times. Lucas Hernandez, uh, Paul Pogba, Benzema, Chouamene, uh, you know, it's like uh, and bring in the likes of Konate, Fofana, uh, bring, in Teo, bring in Lucas's brother, Teo. Um, they have this ability, which I think is something that we've seen, and maybe we've always kind of known about international football, but it's really been laid bare here in this tournament, is the fact that most teams, when they start to go to their bench, it's a severe drop-off. Whereas France, when they bring in a guy, he may not be somebody that you know quite the same, but the drop-off is not even close. And we saw that, I think, it, more so even in this Morocco game. No Rabio, no Pumacano. You bring Konate, you bring Fofana. And do you really, did you really miss those guys all that much? And I think that's maybe where we think that they're playing possum because I think they just live for moments. They know that they have the better team. They know they have the supreme ta- talent no matter who's in the game. And they're just like, we'll, we'll keep it tight, and then Mbappe might do something crazy, or Giroud might score a worldie. I think that's what's weird. I, I'm not saying that that's a, uh, you know, if you're trying to study Didier Deschamps and you're a coach out there and you're like, well, maybe I could do that for my team. I would say there's a, there's a select, you know, top 1% of teams that can do that, but it does feel uh, very much like, a, you know, somewhat like Real Madrid felt uh, in the Champions League. It's just they have this uncanny ability to hang around in games, and then in the sharpest moments, they make you pay. You are listening to Road to the Cup on ESPN LA, powered by Estrella Jalisco and our friends over there. We appreciate them. We appreciate Vince LaRosa joining us here from 110 Football. Vince, what I've kind of picked up from this World Cup is you uh, talked about it, but I've picked up that, look, all these teams can defend. To get here, you have to be able to defend. You're not getting through World Cup qualifying, giving up three goals a game, no matter who you are. But it's really about who can finish, who can be classy and, and clinical up front, and to me, France and Argentina, now that we have this final set, clearly superior to, to their semifinal opponents, but also really superior to everybody in the tournament in the sense of really being clinical and having a lot of ways to beat you. Do you see that as a fair assessment? 
Yeah, goals change games, and especially in small sample sizes. You know, every especially once you get to the knockout round, you're living and dying by every game. It's like a season within a game. And to your point, the teams that are the best are the ones that change the game, not just by being dominant maybe with the ball or dominant defensively. They change games by being dominant in front of goal. That's really the best way to win these games. I mean, and I feel it feels silly to say that, but like sometimes we forget when we overanalyze these things that ultimately the most important thing you can do is put the ball in the back of the net. And that's what these two teams have done best. And they've done it not just at a, at a great clip. Obviously, they scored some good goals and are up there on the leaders of goals scored in the tournament. But they've done it in just the moments that where they absolutely needed to have a goal. And it just changed the whole complexion of the game, forced their opponent into different type of, types of setups or different game plans. And that's ultimately what's gotten them both to the final. You know, I'll tell you, along these lines, like you're talking about with the clinical finishing, as I mentioned, how you know everybody can defend – I'm kind of warming up to the 48-team World Cup more because of this. I want to see Erling Holland in the World Cup, and I want to see if maybe Norway can develop a defensive system. And I'm not saying they're going to get through UEFA qualifying still. They only get three more teams in, which is ironic because they have so many now. They're only going to get up to 16 teams in. But if that's enough to maybe get a Norway into the tournament with Erling Holland, they could do some damage because of what we're talking about. Dave, if we've gotten you to warm to a 48-team World Cup, I, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about you because this is, you are you are my man that goes along the lines. You're like, no, we can't have this. But I, I have to agree with you, and, and you would say beyond that, a team like Morocco has to be uh, proof of that concept. I think so many teams in the world have started to understand how they should play, started to understand their identity. But beyond that, it's, it's what you said. There's so many teams in the world now that have just a player that is at the top level. Maybe it's just one, like an Erling Holland. But we want to see him because if he scores goals for Norway, at the end of the day, that might be able to catapult them uh, into a run. So these players now are scattered across the globe, and that's, that's great for, for soccer across the globe. That's great for the level across the globe, and I, I agree with you. If we can get uh, a 48-team World Cup where each team kind of has a talisman, has a guy that uh, they can count on in the biggest moments, that will make a very, very entertaining tournament. But please, please, let's not have three-team groups. That's the only thing I ask for. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Uh, you got to have the four-team groups. No question about it. I'm with you there. Vince LaRosa, 110 football. Vince, let's move ahead now. For both matches, give me a little bit of a breakdown. Croatia versus Morocco. I used to be real sour about the third-place match, but I kind of like it because in history, if you can say, hey, we were third in the World Cup, that does sound a lot better than fourth. I know that sounds crazy because if you're fourth, you just say you made a semifinal. But if you're third, that's pretty impressive, I think, in history as it goes on. I know it's tough to play this match. Give me a quick breakdown of Croatia-Morocco and then turn your attention, of course, to this final coming up on Sunday. Yeah, third place game, you got to wonder what's left in the tank for Croatia, not just because of so many extra time and penalty yeah, games that have gone to penalties, but the fact that they were in the final this time last tournament. So are they really going to look mm-hmm. at this third-place game and, and take it seriously? Whereas Morocco, you're going to say, to your point, third place is better than fourth. They're like, hey, we can get out of here with a third-place finish. This might be the greatest finish of all time, and who knows when we'll ever get this close again. So I, I, I'll be interested to see how they both approach that game, but you know Morocco is going to go into it, giving it their all, just like they did every single match of the tournament. And then the final is interesting because I think we've been kind of floating around it, right? These two teams are both very flawed. Um, they're not. Uh, they're not. No one's like gonna just run away with this match. And then on the top end, they both have the highest level top end talent in Messi and Mbappe. So what does it come down to? I think it, we're gonna go back to that well and say it's gonna come down to moments. And the team that 
obviously the team that scores go- the most goals is going to win, but it's going to be the team that scores goals in timely moments and forces the other team's hand and controls the game with goals. I think that's really what it's going to come down to. I don't think it's going to be pretty um, because at times we've seen an Argentina team that literally I have no idea. Sometimes they get the ball in defense and they don't know how to get it to the midfield and then from midfield to the forward line and Messi is just kind of floating on an island. And then with France, defensively, they've been so passive at times. I watch them and they seem like they're in good spots, but then runners make a little five-yard sprint and, and one guy's looking at the next guy saying, who's got that guy? And that could be very dangerous with a Lionel Messi lurking. So I'm not sure exactly how it's going to break down, but I think it's going to come down to moments and mistakes because of the fact that these two teams are flawed. Yeah, I would agree with you there. And to me, you know, I've been telling uh, people and people think I'm crazy. I've been pretty much nailing my predictions the later we get into the tournament just because you've seen enough of these teams now. I kind of feel like if – France is going to win. It can't be a shootout, as crazy as that sounds, because they did that against Croatia and they have all the weapons. I kind of feel like Argentina could like thump France in this match, potentially. I'm not ready to make the prediction yet, Vince, but I actually think France, because they are kind of living on that edge defensively in a lot of ways, not that they're bad defensively by any means, but they don't mind giving up chances. Argentina, if they're clinical, could really actually bury France in this match. Is that too far off? No, I think I think you're I think you're right on somewhere with that because every time we've seen France play in this tournament where they, it looks like we're like oh France might be in trouble here it's when they've started to expand the field and let teams run and really be open and ultimately you're right France even though they're not that great defensively if they can get numbers back they do still have Hugo Lloris let's not forget and I think we have forgotten for a little bit that that guy's he's a top three goalkeeper in the world there's a reason why he's the captain of the team and we saw it in this game especially he was making some really great saves so I think they're thinking huge yeah. Yeah, you can get some shots, um, but we still have Hugo Lloris. Whereas Argentina, again, I, I worry about them in the buildup, but that's in controlled moments. I feel like when there's chaos, they thrive. So if France goes, let's go <laughs> crazy. Let's have some chaos. Let's do some hero ball here. I don't think you want to get into that with Argentina because then their minds just switch off, and all of a sudden they're just they're playing. Like I said, playing for moments. They're playing for just the craziness of the game. They're not thinking about how they're supposed to build, and that's where their talent kind of shines. So you've got. A Julian Alvarez, who really wants to run in behind and run at guys. Obviously, you have Messi, and I feel like just uh, the, even those midfielders, they don't really want to be in a system where they're playing slow. They just want to run, run, run. Uh, so I think you're right. If we're doing like a, a premature look at this at this match, France has got to want to think, let's keep it tight. Let's maybe find Mbappe uh, running in behind. But if we get stretched, it's going to be a long day for us. Vince LaRosa of 110 Football. Great stuff as always. Vince, let me ask you. I love 110 Football, of course. Uh, great great stuff that you guys produce. What else is coming up for you guys? Give me a little uh, taste of what you're working on and where, where you guys are headed. Uh, look, everything's looking forward to, uh, to the LAFC season, obviously. Returning as champs, uh, it's going to be bigger, better, badder, everything, all that. We've got to go <laughs> uh, to Costa Rica this year, so we're hoping to look at uh, ways to cover that more. And then just with the way things are changing in MLS, uh, an ability to maybe branch out and t- tell more storylines across MLS. I think, uh, and I think we all believe this, all of us MLS people, is this is a pivotal year for the league with the changeover to Apple. So I really think that that's what's going to be driving us is that want to tell more stories and to cover the, t- to cover the league from across the board. And Dave, thank you for letting me uh, do a little plug there. Absolutely. We're looking forward to it from 110 Football. Check out Vince LaRosa's work work there. You know him. You love him. We love him. Vince, 
Thank you so much. As always, great stuff. Really appreciate your time, buddy. Love you, Dave. Love you, Mario. And I love all the listeners. You guys enjoy a great final. I think it's going to be a classic. We absolutely love you as well and your breakdown of that final coming up. Road to the Cup continues here on ESPN LA. It's Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Dave Denholm with you. Thanks once again to Vince LaRosa. Great interview from 110 Football. Check out his work there. He's been great throughout the World Cup with us. It has been a pleasure to, uh, to uh, talk to him. Breaking down and working up everything about this World Cup. France, Argentina, the final. Want to continue to talk a little bit about this France-Morocco matchup uh, and, and the players that really had an impact. Now, again, in his moments, Kylian Mbappe has as much of an impact as any player in world football, right? He's that good. And he did help create the second goal. But that shot was blocked. He was kind of controlled pretty well by Morocco. Now, again, he's got to find his moments. Just like it's like you can't stop killing Mbappe for 90 minutes, right? You can't stop Lionel Messi for 90 minutes. You just, you're not going to be able to just shut them out and shut them down completely. But I thought Morocco really did pretty well against him. They pressured him. Again, at times it was it was interesting because they didn't always just throw the double team right at him. It's almost like they kind of confused him at times. Because Mbappe is just so used to just getting either drilled physically, which Morocco did their fair share of, or getting double and triple and quadruple teamed, that I thought Morocco handled him pretty well. Again, he's going to have his moments, though, and it just that's who he is. And that's why he's so good, and that's why he's on the verge of winning a second straight World Cup, even though he's, what, 24? What, how old is he? Let me, I got to find it. This guy is just, you always just think he's just still 18. I don't know why. 23. He's about to be 24. In fact, if this, yeah, he's about to be, he's, he's going to be 24 just right after this World Cup at 23 years old. Yikes. Amazing. Truly amazing. He had a great game. Don't get me wrong. Had moments of brilliance. But I thought Morocco, did, you know, if you're thinking France is just going to destroy Morocco, then it would have been like Mbappe, oh, hat trick. Maybe an assist to Giroud, and it's 5-1, you know, crazy walk. That was not the way it went, and Mbappe was part of that. As much as he can be effective, even when not having a great afternoon or evening, as it were, in this match, that's kind of the case. I thought Antoine Griezmann was special today. Just, I know he gave the ball away a couple days. Look, that's going to happen, right? I think we get a little too caught up in... You're supposed to be utterly perfect every time. You know, this is impossible. The reason goals are scored is because people make mistakes. But he was just spectacular getting back for the football. Anywhere the football was, he found his way to get it and, and bulldog it away from anybody. And I thought he was really good. Even, even though, like I said, they didn't have as much of the football as you might think out of France, they don't need all of the football. Because when they do decide to go forward and when they do decide to put their best foot forward offensively. They got so many weapons and a guy like Griezmann, you know, running the show that whew, it can be it can be trouble and there's no doubt. Now, was it the quintessential game for France? Like it's the bet no, they might still have their best game of the tournament in their back pocket, which is probably the way they want it, right? They got they're going to a final and maybe they haven't even played really their best game yet, to be honest. I, I mean I can't see it. I can see them playing better than they have. Let's put it that way. Taking nothing away from them. Certainly deserve to be here. They were the better team. But they have not played their best match, which might scare Argentina, really. Because maybe Argentina played their best match that they're capable of against Croatia. 
because even though the score lines were similar, this these two games felt a lot different. We'll see because I'm going to probably surprise people by the time we get to Friday and I make a real prediction about Sunday's match here on Road to the Cup. I'll probably surprise you by the time I get there what I really feel about this match and how it plays out. But I've been pretty pretty close to spot on during these last you know the quarterfinals on because we're starting to see these teams so much. It's not the group stage where you you know you see a match and you don't know how good, right? You saw Morocco, right? Give Croatia everything they can handle in the group stage. The first game, well, as it turns out, two semifinal teams going at it, but we didn't know how good Morocco was going to be at that point, you know. So it's hard to kind of gauge sometimes until the tournament just starts to play out and winds out, because then you start to see some weaknesses and some tendencies and and. Now they're playing out a little bit. But what I've seen from France is just win. This is Al Davis, you know, Al Davis's favorite soccer team. Because it's not, it hasn't always been pretty. And it wasn't today. Doesn't matter. That's how good they are. That is how good they've been and how good they, you know, you suspect they will continue to be realistically. So thrilling final certainly set up. No question about it. It's it's right up there in the top two or three that you can imagine, in terms of what the storylines are. Or what you know, even when it got down to eight, as we said, great stories all around. Certainly, if Morocco had gotten there against Messi, that's a whole different beast too. Like the the giant killers, you know, it's David and Goliath there. But there's no David. There's no Goliath. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's no David in the final now, right? Two Goliaths going at it. The two Philistines are going at it here. We don't have the shepherd. With the stones, you know, I mean, there's just, because whoever wins this thing, you can't say they were like an underdog. It's like, you can't say it was a surprise of whoever wins the World Cup. It's just whoever plays better and who has the better plan and executes on Sunday, right? This is not some kind of, this isn't the U.S. getting there for the first time. Or as if we would have gone through, then it would have been like definitely a David versus Goliath type situation, but not the case. And what a matchup it's going to be. No question. There's plenty to break down on it that we will be getting to. Oh, by the way, just speaking of interviews and, and looking forward, super excited tomorrow, just to let you know, we're going to be talking with the great voice of Laker basketball, Pepe Mantilla. He's going to join us on the show. Legend in L.A. sports. If you are unaware of his work, if you're around the country or whatever, he's the uh, radio voice on the Spanish side for the Lakers for – you know, a long time, just a legend in L.A. We love Pepe, and uh, he's going to be joining us talking World Cup. He's a diehard World Cup fan and has been enjoying it all the way along. Can't wait to talk to him uh, tomorrow during the show. So that's going to be a lot of fun, no question about it. And again, don't forget, we got shows coming up Friday as well, and then Sunday after the World Cup final, we'll definitely be here uh, breaking it all down, working it up for you. Taking a look at this third-place match, I asked Vince to talk a little bit. I do want to mention it a little bit here. I, one of my the bits I used to do on Soccer Weekly, I don't know if Mario remembers this, but one of the bits I used to do is one of the most ridiculous things of sport in my mind. It makes me still to this day laugh. It's not my like I'm not making a like or it's not my joke. I didn't write a joke or anything, but it still makes me laugh. Is who in their right mind would buy tickets in advance to a third place game? Right, like if you're like oh honey. I want to go to the World Cup. And your, and your wife says, yeah, let's go. Whoa, we're going to the World Cup. 
what game are we going to look? Oh, let's get the third place match. <laughs> like who who possibly buys? Now, I know a lot of teams who get there. Like there are going to be a lot of Croatian Morocco teams now going to get tickets, right? So there'll be a great crowd and it'll be a great atmosphere because it's a World Cup game. That's not to say that you shouldn't go to a third place match. But like, really? If you have like one or two matches to pick when you go to Qatar to go to a World Cup or go any, you know, go to Russia in 2018 or something. Let's get that third place match. Who buys that in advance? That that's weird to me. But that doesn't mean the game can't be fun, right? And this one should be because we'll get a curtain call from, in all likelihood, as long as he's healthy, right? Luka Modric will maybe see the field for the last time for Croatia, so that'll be amazing. You'll get you know let him get a huge curtain call from the crowd, you know, from the fans or a big you know send off, and when he gets subbed out. Because you'd imagine, again, if he's healthy and ready available, he should start and get plenty of time. Again, this is not a game where you just bring in 13 or 11 guys who never played in this tournament at all. You know, you're going to start your regulars in all likelihood and go after it for a while. You might make some subs if anybody's got any kind of injury concern or, you know, banged up even. And you'll see some guys maybe who never played in the tournament maybe get an appearance. So that's a lot of fun. But this could be a really fun matchup. For one thing, as we started to see in third place, it doesn't, you're not going to go out looking for a nil-nil here. Right? There is no tomorrow, but it also doesn't really matter in the sense of, well, well, give it your best, right? So you'll see a lot of offense, or you should, from two teams who really haven't had a lot of offense in this tournament, Morocco and Croatia. You know what I bet? Now that the pressure is kind of off, let's face it, I know you want to win the third place match, but the pressure is off. You watch these two teams like go out there and finish, like their like their hairs on fire. This could be a five four, you know, like like two teams that have had trouble finishing in the final third. Now they'll probably play their best games of the tournament offensively and just go wild. That could very well happen. So it could be a lot of fun that way as well. Look forward to seeing it. what. Give me your uh, predictions. Hit me up on Twitter at Talk Soccer. Maybe we'll uh, f- carry them over to the show tomorrow. What are your predictions for the third place match? Don't just give me a score. Is it, is it going to be a wide-open shootout? Again, pressure's all off. You still want to finish third. The only way to do that is go out and win. Could be very fun. Hey, I'm going to tell you about my big World Cup moments and my appearance, which actually correspond to each, to each other, on the live stream they did on the watch-along for LAFC. I joined them at halftime there on uh, Twitch, and we had a good time. Interesting stuff. And a good question was asked to me of Lots of Bunnies, who's a big-time streamer. So she asked me a good question. We'll talk about that next. Road to the Cup continues, ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Dave Denholm with you. Once again, we are powered by our friends at Estrella Jalisco. Interesting question was thrown at me. At the halftime of this match today, France winning over Morocco 2-0. At halftime, they were doing a watch-along. LAFC was hosting a watch-along on Twitch, so they brought me in at halftime to kind of, you know, just talk a little bit. And one of the Twitch streamers who was there, lots of bunnies, she asked me a question that was interesting. She asked, just, you know, give me your big World Cup moments from this World Cup. Up until at that point, it was halftime of this match. So, and, you know, I just wanted to kind of just talk a little bit about that here. And for me, my answer was, to be honest with you, the U.S. getting out of the group, you missed in 2018. Didn't know how we were going to handle this. The players played very well in the group stage. Yeah, we kind of fell on our face in the round of 16. Not bad, but, you know, just didn't didn't get it done against the Netherlands. 
and deserve to lose that match. But we had a good World Cup run in the group stage, so I said, you know, that's a big key. The goal against Iran, especially in how we beat them, having to hang on, and that was that was a big game. So I like that. That's my big World Cup. But if you're looking for non like U.S. stuff. Uh, another one of my big moments was just seeing Canada in the tournament. Now it didn't quite go their way, but they did play pretty well against Belgium. And if you know, and I even talked to them. I told lots of bunnies in the stream. You know, if Canada gets the win against Belgium somehow, you know, if they really take advantage of that, could change the whole World Cup, right? Because when you get the early goal against Croatia in the next match, maybe you're not going guns blazing. You know, you realize you're on four points then if you just get a draw even with Croatia. Right? Could have changed everything. Who knows? Maybe you end up defending a little bit better against Croatia after getting the opening goal because you don't really, not that you don't need the win, but if you already had the three points in the back, you know, just things change. So the whole World Cup can change moment to moment, and that's what makes it so much fun. But those are a couple of big World Cup moments. Other individuals, I mean, it's just, you know, Messi has been so good. That pass, the Messi pass that he delivered is just, against the Netherlands, was just ridiculous. I mean, virtually no one else in the world has that kind of ability. That's why he's the best. Not to say that a guy can't hit that pass occasionally, but this guy just time and time again, right? And so that's just so special, no doubt. But now after this match, because again, that was halftime. Now I got to say it's killing Mbappe in France going to a second straight final. That's ridiculous. Especially now when more and more players are going to play all around the world, right? You've got these big clubs in the big leagues looking everywhere for talent, okay? So that means guys on Morocco who maybe 60 years ago or less would have just played in Morocco. You know, a couple of them might have gotten to a different league. But you got to remember back in the day, I mean, Pelé played virtually his whole career in Brazil, right? And then went to the Cosmos at the end. Back in the day, guys didn't leave their own country all that often, frankly. Again, it got more and more popular. But now, the big clubs with the big money are looking everywhere. So you're seeing more and more countries having players that are, wow. They're like, they can affect games here. So it's not just France with 11 of the best players in the world and Argentina who all play in Argentina. They're like the 10 best players you've ever seen. But no, everybody goes everywhere now. Ashraf Hakimi plays for Morocco and the guy is one of the best right backs in the world and he also happens to play one of the biggest clubs in the world and has. He's played at Real Madrid in the past. Now he's a P- you know. So guys are going everywhere. If you can play, you'll, they'll find you, right? And that's what the money does. So it makes all these countries more, far more impressive to me that France is now a oh, second straight World Cup final. If they win it, oh my goodness. Certainly just to get there is amazing. But what a moment. And, that's, you know, and that leads me into stoppage time with our great producer, Mario Rees. Mario, welcome to the show once again. Good to talk to you, buddy. We're almost there, Mario. Can you believe this? We've got our final now. Yeah, this has been so fun, Dave. And I, I <laughs> got really a couple has. moments here too that I that I got to point out here. Yeah, a, absolutely. a positive one, a good one here is uh, Luis Chavez for Mexico when he had that incredible left-footed, yeah. stunning goal against Saudi Arabia. Yeah. That was amazing. And then I have one that's not too too positive. Maybe Ronaldo, you know, riding the bench for those couple games. That was yeah, a big, big, yeah. big moment. I mean, if you only see like all the media oh, yeah. attention that was around him, of him just sitting down on the bench. I mean, all the attraction he got. 
could have blown up for Fernando Santos and Portugal too if they would have lost yeah. right away. But they get the you know they get the big mm-hmm. win out of it, and then he so he can keep them on the bench essentially. It doesn't work out for them against Morocco, but I don't even know if Ronaldo playing ninety minutes honestly would have worked out for them against Morocco. It was just Morocco's day; they were a better team. So, but yeah, very interesting. And then another one for me, just a personal one, is just being able to watch the World Cup with my son. Mm. who is enjoying it for the first time in his life where he's actually dialed into it, knows Ah. all the players from all the different teams. And now he's kind of trying to – he's starting to learn about club and country because he's seen some of his favorite players from like PSG, but now they're playing against each other. You know, or he's seen his favorite yeah. players from LAFC, and now they're on a different team, That's and awesome, they're playing yeah. in the World Cup. You know what I mean? And somebody like Mendez, who who um, who shined greatly here in this World Cup, uh, he got to see him perform for Ecuador. So yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. My daughter doesn't quite get it yet because she's just turned four, and yeah. she keeps asking me where Ilya Sanchez is and is he <laughs> playing that day, right? I'll be oh, watching yeah. the World Cup, and that's her favorite player. And, of course, he doesn't happen to play for Spain. So when she saw Spain, she was like, is Elias Sanchez playing? No, sorry, he's not at the World Cup. But she every day, it doesn't matter who's playing, is Elias Sanchez playing? So she doesn't quite get it like your son. And that's kind of cool that he's now at the age where he does, you know. Like, so that's great. Shouts out to our guy, Ilya. Shouts out to you, Oh, Ilya. absolutely. But, you know, it's only four, one every four years. So at least now he's getting it yeah. where he's, you know, now you know, Mario, it's only going to get better and better in the sense of he's going to get more knowledge and you know the world cup's coming so you know it's like it's going to be here in three and a half years he'll be more ready to go your son at that point so that's great he's seven years old and i said the next world cup you're going to be 11 you're going to be 11 years old which is hard for him to believe too yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. most of his life still yeah he still has to it's a long time for a seven-year-old to wait three and a half years not so much for us anymore but yeah you're right right. so what uh what do we got at stoppage time here in this one all right, Dave. So only two nations have won back-to-back World Cups before. It's it's Italy in 1930 and 1934, and then Brazil in 58 and 62. Now, my question for you is, how how big would it be for France to to go ahead and do this back-to-back? They won it last yeah, time. Yeah, first of all, I think I gave you the wrong date. We were talking about this a little bit, so... I didn't know this was a – yeah, 34 and 38 were Italy way back in the day. 1934-38, I think I told you wrong, but my bad. So, But, yeah, only those two that have done it. How big would it be in this day and age? You know, we were just talking about how everybody's spread out now because of the money, right, Mario? The players will be found. doesn't matter what country. You can be playing anywhere, literally anywhere on this globe right now, and if you're good enough, a big country. And then you're going to get better, and you're – you know, maybe that in turn makes your – you know, if you were in a few of your national team players start going to other, I mean, it makes them better, right? So it's one of the reasons I'm not sleeping on the 48 team tournament anymore. Like I'm kind of, you know, accepted it, even though I love 32. But what it also means is it's tougher, I believe, right now to dominate as a nation. So for France to get there again, to me, you win two in a row in now. I, I mean. It might be the most impressive thing in World Cup history. Maybe. I mean, again, you know, going back to the 30s, I, obviously we weren't around. We weren't watching Italy. They might have been the best teams we've ever seen in the sport. Who knows? Uh, Brazil certainly has an argument for that back when Pele was helping them dominate. They won, what, three out of four as well. Uh, West Germany got the three straight finals. They lost the first two and then win the third one. So there have been stories that, heck, Brazil – Almost won three in a row, in fact, not that long ago. So 
don't get me wrong, you know, teams have been amazing along, but to do it now in this day and age and to do it the way France is doing, it might be the biggest thing in the World Cup history to do it, especially against when you're now playing Messi in the final too. Yes. Right? I mean, that's what I was about yeah. to say. If they do it, if they if France does do it, that means they would have to take down Messi, who has all the momentum, yeah. who has peaking right now, who I think would probably be the favorite to win now, just the way he's playing. And the now. day and age we live, social media, every, and the, the sport is even bigger now because it's more popular in the U.S. than it's ever been. Right? That makes a difference. We know the world has always loved the World Cup. We didn't always love the World Cup, so it's bigger. I mean, Kylian Mbappe and France, it's the I will say it's the biggest story in World Cup history if they win two in a row and to beat Messi to do it. It is. You're totally right about how big the sport is nowadays. Let me just tell you one story about Halloween. When my son was <laughs> dressed up as Ronaldo <laughs> for Halloween, I mean, every every street we went on, there was at least one kid that would say, you know, Sui or, <laughs> oh, no, Messi's better. Why are you Ronaldo? Oh, Messi's very better. good. I love it. I love but, it. But, you know, there's no there's yeah. no other kids dressed as, like, Shaq. Or, and this like, is Southern Gordon, California. Or, this isn't, you know, yes. like France or Italy or, you know, like I Germany. was totally shocked about how many kids were responding to yeah. his jersey yeah, and to his awesome. Ronaldo outfit. It's a whole it different, awesome. Yeah, whole new day, no doubt. And so maybe that is, and, and I, I will say that if they win, it is the biggest story in World Cup history to win two in a row back to back now. Off the charts. Unbelievable. Great stuff, Mario, as always. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back right at it tomorrow. If you miss anything, don't forget you can podcast the show on ESPN LA's app or go to where you do your podcasting and find it there. It's Road to the Cup. Dave Denholm on ESPN LA.